presence of Jesus Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean for me it was in the
glad he does love us this morning. What a way to spend eternity telling how much we love him. We're glad to see you this morning. Let's all stand together and make a joyful noise as Brother Ken comes to lead us now. Brother Ken. Amen. This morning we'll sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus. We'll do the first, second, and last verse this morning. That's, Oh, How I Love Jesus. church. Amen. Good to see you. Thank you for being here. I've got several prayer requests I want to let you know about this morning, and then we're going to open up in prayer. Several in our church are dealing with COVID, as, as is everywhere. Miss Irma, uh, Sister Marcia, uh, Brother Frank Lawson, and then uh, pray for uh, the bowling family. I've given you several times Brother Buck. Brother Buck came home this week, but unfortunately, he came home with COVID, and now he and many and all the Kitzmillers have it as well, so please pray for them. They're trying to take care of Brother Buck and each other. We have two in our church who had surgery last week, Sister Donna Harmon, Sister Betty Wasoski, remember them. We have a couple in our church that are having surgery next this coming week, Brother Randy Harris, Sister Linda Granis, all having surgery this week. Please lift them up in prayer, and let's pray for our services today. We need the touch of the Lord in our midst. Father, we love you this morning, and we say thank you for the opportunity to assemble ourselves together and to call upon that name that is above every name, the name at whose mention every knee shall bow. Thank you for the name Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who could not be with us today, that you would touch them, heal them. May they be back with us soon. Lord, I pray that you would speak now in our services today. We, we beckon the presence of the Holy One into our congregation. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the choir, the special music. Most of all, uh, may the, the, that name Jesus be glorified. You've told us in your word that if we'll lift up the name Jesus, that you'll draw men and women unto you. So we take you at your word today. We love you. That's not a surprise. What's so amazing is how much you love us. 
Use your preaching this morning to stir hearts in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. You listen this morning. I hope this song will bless your heart.
Aren't you thankful for that this morning? If you read through the Old Testament, you will find that there was millions and millions of gallons of blood, animal blood, that was shed. And it was always shed for the covering of sin, atonement, at one But on crucifixion day, the last blood that ever had to be shed was shed. And our sins weren't covered for those who accept our sins are removed. You listen as the choir sings. Sing, y'all. Mr. Nay needs a mic too, buddy. Father says, well done, my son. 
Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here this morning. I got lots of request, uh, lots of announcements rather this morning. So give me uh, five minutes to go through those. But before we do, all those who are in Gates grades, kindergarten through five, James and uh, and are continuing to do some special things with them. So all those in K five, you all come down now. Uh, little ones will be heading out in just a little bit. But K five, come on and make your way. Kindergarten through fifth grade, come quickly, guys. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you so much. Before I get into the announcements, I want to first of all say a huge thank you to everybody who helped us this past week in Vacation Bible School. Had a great week this week. Raised $732 were collected for our missionaries, Rob and Amanda Smith, as they transition back to England or transition to England in the next few weeks. They are just waiting for Amanda's English visa to come in and they'll be heading out. We'll keep you posted and going to do a few other things for them as well. Then a reminder that this coming week is our back to school week. So this Tuesday at six o'clock, there is the pack, the backpacks event. Uh, if you would please help us with that, that begins at six o'clock, 700 Commerce Street. That's the former American Standard Building for those of you who've been here for a while. Uh, it is a community event. And so we pack all of the backpacks for all of the back to school, which will happen this coming Saturday. Uh, we need everybody here by 8 a.m. We are looking forward to a great day on Saturday. I, I continue to appreciate you and extend my thanks to our church for their volunteer, their willingness to help out. Uh, uh, God put us here to serve this community, and so I appreciate you helping us with that. And then a reminder, of course, thank you for everyone that brought in the baby gift basket for uh, Josh and Jesse Lawson. A reminder also on Saturday, August the 20th, uh, Saturday, that's a, at 10 a.m., we'll have our Operation Christmas Child event with Shoebox recipient Natasha Ivanova from the Ukraine uh, with a special event, so please mark your calendars for that. Sunday, August the 21st, choir practice at 3 o'clock. If you're a faithful member of our church and would like to sing in the choir, we'd sure love to have you. Please see Miss Leanne. We'll make sure we have the choir materials ready. And then we've got some other dates for September, our Moving On Sunday, which is where we change Sunday schools and children's church and the beginning of our Awanas. Two other announcements that are not in your bulletin but are very important, our Young at Heart group. That's the 50-plus group uh, on August the 14th, leaving right after church, Cheddar's Kitchen in Roanoke, a, 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 a meal. You know, senior say, uh, young at heart group, we love to eat. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. And then also uh, the Gaither Vocal Band Concert for the Young at Heart group is happening on Saturday, August, October, excuse me, Saturday, October the 1st from 6 to 8 at Franklin Heights Church in Rocky Mount. Uh, the general admission is $32. And so uh, our Young at Heart group will be going there. Uh, if you will, if you're interested in both, either or both, is that right? Or just the Gaither? Okay. So you don't need to let them know if you're going to the Cheddars, but if you are interested in the Gaither vocal band event, uh, the Gaither concert, then please meet right up here after services with Brother Scott and Miss Charlene. They're going to give you some final information and get a count on that because tickets will need to be purchased. So again, if you're interested uh, and meet today with them right after church, that, that is on October the 1st. Count Mr. Nay and I in on part of that if you would. All right, uh, uh, ushers, come on and make your way down. We're going to switch order up, Miss Betty. You all come get ready to sing because they've got children's church. You be obedient unto the Lord with his time. 
tithes and your offerings, and God will richly bless you. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Pray your blessings upon our services. Thank you already for your presence. Thank you for the last blood that ever needed to be shed. Bless these as they sing this morning in Christ's name. Amen. a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath that flood and got saved. Since then I walk in forgiveness, all of my guilt was erased. Chains of the past are broken and last. I got shaved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want? Tested and tasted your grace. I was so lost till I fell at the cross and got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a Jesus, how could I want more? The love of God gave me His pardon. The love of God won't let me stay the same. The love of God calls me up higher. His stronger, that's why I got saved. of the Lord. I'm, I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a this morning. Amen. Undone by the goodness of the Lord. Let's stand together one more time. Our kids will go out in just a few minutes. Brother Ken will come lead us in a song. Let's worship together. Brother Ken. 
Amen. I love it when we assemble together as believers. We've come to worship the Lord this morning. I hope your heart is prepared. We're going to enjoy this song for a few moments. You help me sing it. I want you to hear your beautiful voices. Let's raise it up to the Lord this morning. Brethren, we have meant to worship. church. I love this line. Sing it now. Ever how you feel comfortable. All the children, our little ones, 
below fifth grade, come on and make your way down to Matt and Madison this morning. Come on, make your way down, everybody. Matt. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Ezekiel, please, chapter number 22. Ezekiel, chapter number 22, if you would, this morning. We're going to read in just a moment the last two verses in Ezekiel 22. Two, candidly, of, I think, the saddest verses, certainly in all of the Old Testament, if not the Bible. We're going to look why. Come on, sing for us, guys. Yeah. 
Ezekiel chapter 22, please, this morning. Ezekiel chapter 22. Several weeks ago, I was pumped and excited on Father's Day morning to come in and preach what I believe the Lord had laid on my heart. I, I, I was pumped for a lot of reasons. I, I love Father's Day. I love talking about the importance of godly fathers. And when I say fathers this morning, I'm talking about biological fathers, stepfathers, foster fathers, grandpas, male mentors, a positive male influence. I was excited to talk about it. The Dobbs decision had just dropped and uh, answering the prayer of Christians over many years. And man, I was ready to, to, to come and, 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 and just squirt hell with a pistol. And then, of course, I woke up and had a little scratchy throat, did a COVID test as I hopped into the shower and got ready, and I stepped out, and my wife looked at me and said, babe, I don't know how to tell you this, but this thing says you're positive. And I said, no way, I feel fine. I went in and took another test, uh, and it was positive. And I said, this is ridiculous. So I took a third test, <laughs> and they were all positive. And my first thought was, well, I'll just, I reckon, put this thing away until next year. I knew that what I would say on Father's Day morning would rub some outside folks the wrong way. Just to be honest with you, this always blows my mind, but to be honest with you, there is no topic that I preach on that generates the anger and ire than talking about the importance of men. I, I, it blows my mind. I can preach about heaven or I can preach about hell or God forbid I preach about tithing and nobody seems to get upset. But you start talking about the need for godly men and folks fall apart. Two years ago, to, to underscore this, two years ago, we were still outside because of the pandemic and uh, state ordered. And 
And I, I preached our Father's Day message, and I just had some data, some data points that anybody with a, with a cell phone or a computer could go Google themselves, frankly, from some recognized uh, areas of statistics that, it, that talked about the, the both positive influence or the outcomes of, of a positive male in the home and the negative outcomes. I mean, it was pretty dry and run-of-the-mill, but I wanted the, the folks to hear those to, to understand that the Christian master masculinity matters and Christian men matter today. And the number of emails, and, and what many of you don't know is on Saturdays, we have a radio program uh, in our community, and Brother Coffee typically sends on Saturday whatever message has been preached on Sunday. So on Saturday after Father's Day, that message went out, and it was the next week that I got so many nasty emails and nasty, I bet I had seven nasty phone calls, messages, even to the extent that the manager of the radio program called me and and said, we've received lots of complaints about what you shared, and I wanted you to know. And I said, well, brother, I am so sorry. He said, there's even a couple of folks who said, if we keep airing you, we're, they're not going to listen anymore. And I said, I am so sorry. He said, well, it doesn't bother me. I called to get your permission to replay the broadcast next week. <laughs> I said, well, brother, it's your radio station. You do whatever you want to do. But I want you to think about that a minute. Why is it so angering to talk about the importance of a Christian male in our homes? Let's look, if you would, please, at verse 30. Let's look at verse 30. Chapter 22 of Ezekiel, verse 30. Assault for a man among them. They should make up the hedge. Stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Let me pause a minute. We're going to read the other verse in just a moment. From a biblical interpretation, Ezekiel is writing and preaching to a divided kingdom. There's Israel, the northern kingdom. There's Judah, the lower kingdom. And Ezekiel is preaching and, and writing to the lower kingdom. And he's prophesying over the fact that the lower kingdom is going to be destroyed. That the lower kingdom, Judah, is going to be overtaken. The northern kingdom uh, had already been overtaken by the Assyrian Empire. And he's prophesying about the fact, preaching over the fact, that the lower kingdom is about to be overrun as well. But he says, God is making a reprieve. God says, if I can find somebody, in this case a man, if I can find a godly person who will stand in the gap, make up the hedge, pray for the nation, be the person that they were created to be, I will steal my hand. But look at the last four words of verse 30. But I found none. Verse 31 gives the consequence of the absence of that man. Therefore, I used to have a Bible professional in seminary who always said, whenever you see the word therefore, ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? And the therefore is therefore because of what happened in verse 30. Because I found none. I have poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their head. 
saith the Lord God. As I mentioned, I thought I'd put this message away, maybe pull it out next year at Father's Day. And even tried twice since then, maybe to pull it out. In fact, tried last week and felt like the Lord going in a different direction. And now I know why. Every morning when I get to my desk at work, Patrick and Henry Community College, I will open up my inbox and I'll usually have eight or ten messages that are a national summary of news articles, of journal articles, it's called a meta-analysis, of things that have happened over the last 24 hours that have an impact upon higher education, about community college, about education, about this region, about economic development, all the things that I'm engaged in as the president of Patrick and Henry Community College. And I opened up Tuesday morning that inbox and scouring through, there's usually about a dozen articles on each message, so it's about 100 articles every morning that I'm quickly scouring to see which ones I need to read, which ones I need to pull up later, which ones I'll pull it and read tonight in bed. And, and, and yeah, I read, I'm such a geek, I know it. But, but I saw one glaring, I saw one glaring that I had to stop and read immediately and the more I read it this past Tuesday, the deeper my heart sank. You see, since Father's Day, we've had multiple mass shootings in this country. There was Uvalde, Texas, where someone walked into an elementary school and opened fire on a classroom of fourth graders. If that wasn't bad enough, a few days later, there was in outside of Chicago, the most American thing you can think of, a 4th of July Independence Day parade, where another mass shooter stood on top of a building and opened fire on parade goers. Those are just the ones that made the headlines, folks. As I read this article... My, my, my heart just got pierced. The FBI defines a mass shooting as a shooting in which at least four people have been injured or killed. Now, we might debate that definition, but the FBI uses that as a standardized definition. And in the last 50 years in America... There have been 180 mass shootings. This article was what is called, and I don't want to get too statistician with you, but I'm a bit of a statistics geek, and so this article is what was called a meta-analysis. It ana analyzed all of the data for all of the mass shooters and mass shootings over the last 50 years to develop some themes that might help us stop some of the stupidity. Can I, can I, can I share some things directly from this article that I read this week? Straight out of the Department of Corrections. 35% of them happen at the shooter's place of work. 12% of them happen at a place of worship. 
You can do the math in your head quickly, or maybe you can. I'll help you out. That means in the last 50 years, there have been 22 mass shootings at a church or synagogue. We only know of a couple of them, candidly, that have made national headlines, but there have been 22 of them. That's the reason we take security so seriously here. But this is what really got me. The defining characteristics of the perpetrators of mass shootings, those who've brought the gun and opened fire, in the last 50 years, over 180 incidences, 98% of them are male. More than 90% of them are white between the ages of 18 and 40. Most are incredibly intelligent men suffering from diagnosed mental illness. Most of them experienced early childhood trauma that had a profound impact upon their lives. Most have removed from society, even become reclusive and unusually engrossed in technology, and most exhibit what is called suicidal ideation. And in fact, mass shootings are in reality suicides where they've decided they will take others out with them. Get ready. 75% of them come from a home in which there is no positive male influence. Can, 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 can we just let that sink in a second? In fact, the article went on to say that 26 of the last 20, 26 of the 27 deadliest shootings are from homes where there is no positive male influence at all. You know, in case you want to do the math, that's 96% of them. If I stood up here this morning and said that we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that 96% of the mass shooters in America eat Lucky Charms for breakfast, there'd be a national outcry against Lucky Charms. Victims' rights groups would justifiably say, we got to pull Lucky Charms off the shelves. There'd be a presidential task force dedicated to studying what's going on with Lucky Charms and why Lucky Charms uh, causes men uh, who are white between the ages of 18 and 40 uh, to take an AR and open up on innocent victims. But would you look at me? It's not Lucky Charms. It's the absence of men in homes. And you won't hear a word about it. You won't hear an even blurb in the national media about it. You know why? Because if we talk about it, we'll have to admit something's wrong. Because if we talk about it, this is where it gets real ugly. We'll have to admit that by denying the influence of a man in a home, we have in many ways done this to ourselves. Again, I'm not talking about just biological fathers. I'm talking about stepfathers and foster fathers and grandpas and male mentors. Look at me. Manhood matters. And what? What we're seeing today 
is what happens when we decide what the Bible says doesn't matter. Let me read you a couple of direct quotes before we get into the message. Straight from the article. This is a secular article, folks. This is from our U.S. Department of Correction. It has nothing to do with faith-based. Here's what it says. Quote, our society has dismantled the family structure, has abandoned the faith-based environments in which stability and accountability are found and replaced meaningful in-person interaction with social media. School shootings like Uvalde are the result. That's not a preacher. From the Justice Department, the Journal of Research in Crime and Delinquency reports that, listen, the most reliable indicator of violent crime in a community is the proportion of families with no positive male influence. Again, I don't want to get too statistics geek on you, but in the world of statistics, there is what's called a correlation, and then there's what's called causality. Let me, let me help you understand it. Correlation means that for some reason, as this happens, that happens. For example, in America, we know that as the average life expectancy has increased in America, which happened every year until 2020 because of COVID, but we know that as the average life expectancy in America increased, the average height of America also increased. Well, that's strange that as we aged, we know that the average height increased. That's correlational. Something's going on that this happens and this happens. They might be related. They might not, but we, we can prove it. But then there's causality where you can say beyond any shed of a doubt that this caused this. For example, we know that as alcoholism increased, cirrhosis of the liver increased. That's causality. This caused this. You understand what we're sharing, what I'm sharing with you this morning is not correlational. It's not some strange coincidence that as fathers and positive male influences have disappeared from our homes, that gun violence and mass shootings have escalated. That's not some strange coincidence. One calls the other. But we don't want to talk about it. We want to talk about mental health, which we should. And you've heard me preach about it, and I will continue to preach about it. We want to talk about guns, which perhaps some of you might disagree. We should. I am a Second Amendment guy. I got plenty of them in my house. You try to break in, you're going to be met with a mouthful of metal. Amen. I'm a believer in that. We, but we're going to have a national conversation about guns. But we don't want to talk about the very thing that is leading it to happen to begin with. We want to treat the symptoms and not the cause. So we're going to talk about the cause this morning. 
And there are some of you in here who might say, well, preacher, this ain't for me. I'm not a man. No, you might not be. Or I'm not a father. No, you might not be. But may I say to you, the absence of fathers, the absence of men is having a negative effect, not on just society, but on the churches, upon the culture as a whole. We're seeing what happens all around us when we tell men they don't matter. Let's look at it together quickly this morning. Three things. Number one, we need some God. Name of the message is we need some godly men. Number one, men who have learned to lean. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy paths. Men, look at me. We men tend to be pretty bad about giving over control to somebody else. I mean, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be transparent with you. I think sometimes one of the reasons that you find adult ladies often getting saved in greater numbers than adult men is because there is something in a man that says, I can handle this. I can deal with this. It's not like that with kids, even male children. It's not like that. That, that, That's the reason so many people get saved when they're little, when they're children. But the, the, the moment that a young boy gets a little bit of peach fuzz on his upper lip, everything changes. He starts looking for hair under his arms and everywhere else. <laughs> Because he's a man. And a man fixes. A man does. A man handles. A man takes care. And by the way, that's right. That's the way it's meant to be. I believe that God created in men a desire to provide and to protect. That might not fit your theology, but I believe God plainly makes that out. So don't get upset when a man says, I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to provide for my family because that's what God created in us. But look at me, man. While you're taking control, while you're providing for your family, while you're protecting for your family, realize that you need to lean on God for salvation because you can't fix that part by yourself. Not only do we need some men who've learned to lean on God for salvation, we need some men who lean on God for strength. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. You know this part. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look at me, folks. Uh, There are far too many today who believe uh, that their measure of manliness is how big their biceps are or how much they can bench press. And don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with being in shape. I've told Brother Scott a million times uh, that I want to sing as good as him and I want to be as buff as him. I just don't want to have to do the work he does to get there. Amen. But how many of you understand being able to bench press with no character is not a man at all? Hear me, church. Understand me this morning. A man with big biceps and no God. A man who's got got a chest that pooches out from that too tight t-shirt that we like to wear today. And no God is not a man at all. Man who's learned to lean on God for salvation, for strength, for soundness. My soundness, I mean wisdom. 
James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any lack wisdom, let him ask of God. But giveth to all men liberally. He's not speaking just to men. Abradeth not, and it shall be given him. You understand, by all accounts, folks, I am a, there is nobody in the room, in the, in the community or on the planet who's a bigger believer in education than I am. My very reason for getting up every morning is, is to train people to get good jobs so that they can provide for their family. That's the reason I breathe and do the work that I do in a, in a public sector. It's the reason I still stay employed because I, my whole life is dedicated to two things. Number one, getting people to Jesus. Number two, training people so they can provide for their families and make a good life. That's what it's all about for me. But you understand education with no God is of no value. Bible education matters. And can I just, can I say this and, and love me when I say it? If the only time your child gets sound character biblical education is here in church, then, then you're behind the eight ball. This is meant to reinforce what you're doing at home. This is meant to, to underscore uh, the sound teaching uh, that you're getting at home. Yes, we have Sunday school, and yes, we do VBS, and yes, we do Awanas, and yes, we do all the things we can do, uh, but it's only meant to supplement uh, what should be happening at home. And let me give you one more thing. Every public school teacher in here can give me the $20 bill when you walk out of here. Public teachers uh, cannot be mamas and daddies uh, and doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists. They can't do everything that's not happening at the house. I'm so done with people blaming the public school system for failing what they're not doing at home. I am an avid reader. I read everything I get my hands on. And the thing, I, oh, I know it drives my wife crazy. I have so many things I want to say right here, but I'm just going to turn it and move on. And this is, this, this is the point where I know that the folks are going to get tore out the frame for what I'm about to say. And when you put this out, I know the tweets are coming and the emails are coming. Would you listen to me? Best thing I've read in about the last six months is the biography of Condoleezza Rice. Now, every time I say something like this, I'm like, oh, you're being political. No, I don't care what side of the aisle she's on. Condoleezza Rice was, by all accounts, a genius. She grew up in the segregated South in Alabama. And she graduated high school at the age of 15. Went to the University of Colorado at Denver graduated with her master's degree at 19. Are you hearing me? In the book, she talks about how she can grow up in the environment of a segregated South where she wasn't even allowed to drink out of the water fountain that was for whites only and rise to one of the highest to be the first female secretary of state in America. How does that happen? She said two things. Number one, she said, I had a mama and a daddy who looked at me and day after day said, Condi, you might not be able to drink water at the White Fountain, but one day you'll walk into the White House. Booyah. And she said, I had her words, a church 
family that would not let me fail. Her words. She said, every time I wanted to complain and criticize about how bad things were, my church mommies and my church daddies, and she called them her church aunties, uh, would jack my jaws uh, and remind me that the God I serve could take me over any situation I encountered. And her words were, how do we solve the crisis we face today? We create the homes where there's an influence in the home that says, you can't fail, I'm not going to let you fail. And we create the, her words, communities of faith that says, I got you, I'm going to hold you accountable, I'm going to protect you, but by golly, get your sleeves rolled up and get down to work. God, give us that today. I have so much more I want to give you, but I'm going fast. Number one. Men who've learned to lean. Number two, men who've learned to lead. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go quick, I promise. We need some men who understand that leadership means so much more than being the boss. You know one of the things I've discovered in higher education leadership? There's a whole lot of people that want a title. They don't oftentimes want the work that goes along with the title. Would you look at me? Leadership has nothing to do with the title you hold has everything to do with the work you're willing to put in uh, to earn the title you may have. You see, folks, uh, men, we have to say amen. Help me here, uh, uh, fellas. We have to learn how to lead and guard our flesh. Galatians chapter 5 makes this very clear when Paul says, then I say, then walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to another, so that you cannot do the things that ye would. Can I, let me let everybody in on a news flash. This is, oh. Men are visual. You might not like it. Men are visual. That's why... Some, mm, I love y'all. That's why when a newlywed couple is getting married, they don't do a lingerie shower for a man. Because the women go. Even their own husbands, they'll go. Men are visual. You appeal to a man through the eyes. There's not a couple that I've counseled on premarital counseling that I haven't gone over this with. Men are visual. Women are auditory. Took me a long time to figure this out. I would be at work all day and public school teacher, and I'd been doing talking, 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 talking. Or I'd be at college, and I'm talking, 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 talking. Meanwhile, my wife is at home with two kids and, and, and diapers. I would come home, and you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to say Nothing. Because I've been talking all day long. I wanted to let my tongue sit in a, in a pool of saliva. And what I really wanted to do is open up a book and read. But my wife, meanwhile, had been with two toddlers all day. And so the second I walked through the door, how was your day? Who'd you talk to? Can you... Because she'd had no adult conversation at all. 
And there were many times I'm like, oh God, hey, when Jesus' name, let make her shut up, please. God, make her shut up, make her shut up, make her shut up. <laughs> and even now, I walk through the day and she'll ask me a hundred questions. It took me a long time to realize that I show her I love her by communicating with her. Men are, <laughs> for those of you who couldn't hear, she went, you better. <laughs> Men are visual. Women are auditory. What does that mean, preacher? Keep amen to me. Keep telling me you love me. Men, one of the best things you can do for your boys in your life, whether that's your son, your stepson, your grandson, your, your, your foster son, or just somebody you're influencing, is teach them how to treat a woman like a lady. But stay with me. One of the best things, men and mamas, that you can do for your girls is teach them how to act, dress, walk, and talk like a lady. Why? Because men are visual and women are auditory. And you hear me this morning. If we're going to ask men to lead their flesh and guide their flesh, which is a biblical requirement, then we need some men to act like women are ladies, but we need some young girls to act like ladies. Let the tweets come. Real men have learned to lead their families spiritually. Ephesians 5.23, there are, there are men in this congregation who do not know what John 3.16 says, but they know what 5.23 says. The husband is the head of the wife. Could not begin to tell you how to lead somebody to the Lord, but by golly, wife, submit yourself unto your own husbands. You know you'd want to submit somebody like that. Ephesians 5.23 says, husband's the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, he's the savior of the body. Let me let you in on a newsflash, fellas. Women are equal in God's eyes. You ain't no better than any other female. How do I know that? The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. Headship isn't about being the boss. The Bible also says in 1 Peter, everybody take a deep breath. Not Gregology, straight out of the book. 1 Peter 3 says that, we should give honor to her as the weaker vessel. Does that mean she's inferior? Absolutely not. Does it mean that she's less than? In fact, it's just the opposite. It means that she's more than. What do you mean, preacher? The analogy that I've used, I've used it here before. Some of you have heard it. It's the difference between the Corel kitchenware that you got in your cabinet and the fine china that you've displayed in the curio. The Corel is the man. You can, you, if you, how many of you know what Corel is? Yeah, it's that stuff that you have that you eat if you're not. My house, the average dinnerware is paper plates. If we get paper plates out, we've done good. Can I get a witness? In fact, I'm thinking of putting a for sale sign up on the stove and putting it out in the front yard because we're never there long enough to use it anyway. Corel is that, that, that cheap stuff you get down at Walmart. You can get nicks all over it. You can throw it. You can stomp it. You can put an elephant on it, and it will not break. But that china, you pull out because it's special. Hey, ladies, let me let you in on something. You've been wanting your husband to do something for a while. I mean, you've been, you've been after him to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. When he comes home from work, if you're home before he does from your work, come home one evening and have the china sitting out. 
and candles lit. And when he looks at you and said, who we having for dinner? You look at him and said, nobody, big boy. <laughs> hey, look, church, don't, look, the, the world talks about it. The church won't. That's why we're in the mess we're in. Amen. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with people who ain't married acting like they are and people who are married acting like they ain't. So when he says, uh, who's coming for dinner, you look at him uh, with a twinkle in your eye and say, nobody but you, buddy. Really? What's the occasion? Just me and you. He will build you a house with a roll of duct tape by the time the sun sets. <laughs> Promise you. Well, most of you will, not me, but most of you will. <laughs> Told my wife years ago, I said, baby, you understand that I'm not like average men. She said, oh, God, I know. And I said, I, I, I'm never going to be able to build you a back deck. I'm never going to be able to repair the engine on the car. I'm never going to take down a 12-pour buck with one shot. My goal in life is to, is, is to quote Isaiah 53. And she said, I love you. <laughs> the reality is, folks, men are given that commandment not to deride their wives, but to elevate their wives. You see, the women in our lives, they're the china. They're, I don't want you to turn your nose up at me. There is nothing that makes me prouder than walking into the secular, godless, higher education events that I have to go to <laughs> And I got a gorgeous woman walking in the room with me. And I, I, I look at her. I can see something. How'd you get her? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> and I can't fix an engine. And I can't build a back deck. And I, 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 I can't, but, but I, I, my goal is to make enough money to, to pay people to do all them stuff I can't do. <laughs> I told her that. I said, my goal in life is never to build you a deck. My goal is not to take down a 12-port bunk. My goal is not to repair an engine. My goal is I can make enough money to, here's what I said, to pay people to do that for me and to treat you like a queen. And she said, I'm good with that. <laughs> Last point, I'm done. Men who've learned to lead, learned to lean, and men who've learned to love. Openly, unabashedly, unashamedly, love. Love who? Love the Heavenly Father. Again, I'm a data nerd, so let me give you a, a data point that just guts me. We all know that we want all these children that we send out every Sunday. We don't want that to end when they get out of school. We're instilling in them now what we hope are the values that they need to become successful adult believers in whatever their walk of life may be. If only a mother, if only a mother takes a child to church, only about 17% of those children stay in church. Let me pause a second. I got to say this. Thank God for solo mamas who take that role seriously. I am not here at 
all. To castigate or put down the work of a solo mother because they've got more on them than they should ever have to do by themselves. My Lord, it was everything Renee and I could do to raise two together. And when, when I'm just going to flat out tell you, when, 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 when the kids spend the night with us, oftentimes it takes six of us to get Josie out the door. And then when I can't imagine doing that by myself. If a father alone takes a child to church, 60% of them remain. We go from 17 to 60. That's a 300% increase. But if a positive male influence and a positive female, mother and father, mother, stepfather, stepmother, father, whatever, together take a child to church, 72% of them remain. Don't tell me dads don't matter. Don't tell me mamas don't matter. What matters is the blueprint God gave us. We just don't want that blueprint. Love the father and finally love their families. Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church. When our kids were teenagers, I still like to do this. When our kids were, there are a few things in life I enjoy more than embarrassing my children. And I don't mean just a little bit. I mean mortifying them. Why? Because that's what they did to me. And now that they're adults, I relish any chance I get. You know what really embarrasses them? When I start loving on Renee in front of them. <laughs> Act like you ain't done it. Both of you is married. Act like you ain't done it. Husbands. But you know what I'm, I, I've, I've been doing it for years. Openly affectionate with my wife in front of my children. Openly. Because I learned a long time ago, the greatest... The greatest gift I could give them wasn't finances. It wasn't a Nintendo or an Xbox or a PlayStation or an Air Jordan. It wasn't any of that. The greatest gift I could give them was showing them that I love their mama. And I didn't mind anybody knowing it. There were, there were so Many times where I'd walk in after work, and of course, Renee was a stay-at-home mother. It was a choice that we made, not saying that's for everybody, the choice that we made. And, and I'd walk in, and, and the kids would be there in the kitchen, and I'd walk in, and I'd lip like her, and 30 seconds later, we're still going at it. <laughs> and as they got older, they'd like, ooh, ooh, that's great, ooh, 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 ooh. But you know what I showed them? Daddy. Loves mama. And daddy loves his home. And there were times when daddy and mama going out on a date and y'all ain't invited. Amen. And there are times when daddy and mama going off for a day or two and y'all really ain't invited. <laughs> keep dating. Keep loving. Keep cherishing. Keep honoring. And for God's sake, daddies, 
men, husbands, fathers, grandfathers, you matter. We need you. Our churches need you. Our society needs you. Our boys desperately need you. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I appreciate your attention. I, 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 don't, I don't think there's a message I've preached in the last several weeks that is more important than this. Not because I'm doing it, because we're seeing what happens all around us. I want you to bow your heads this morning. And I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're here today, maybe a husband and wife may want to slip up to this altar. Maybe a, a solo parent. Maybe a, a single mom. Maybe a, a single dad. You just, you just want to slip up here and pray. You just want to pray. Would you come this morning? Brother Ken, sing us a verse. Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious. Sing us one more, Brother Ken. One more verse. I love thee because thou hast first. Hast first loved me and purchased my for me all the young at heart that want to go to the October event make sure you come right over here I want to I want to let you slip out with a smile on your face a husband and wife had had a bit of a disagreement it happens got into a bit of an argument it happens and he looked over at her and he said how can you be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time she looked right back at him and she said God made me beautiful so you would love me and he made me stupid so I would love you. Amen. Brother Ken, dismiss us in prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we're all thankful, Lord, for the message you brought to us this morning. God, it was very timely, very needed for our society, our generation. God, I'm thankful this morning for all the male influences on my life.
God, they had a great impact. Taught me how to be a man. God, if ever we needed that, we need it now. God, help us all, Lord, men that are in here, have an opportunity to have impact on a young man's life. God, I pray we take that opportunity. Every chance we get, Lord, teach them how to be men. God, we love you this morning. We thank you for Jesus this morning. God, if ever we have loved you, God, we sure do love you now. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son. God, may you bless the rest of this day. Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your people to be here. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.